And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thrilled you're here today. My name, of course, is Eddie Cohn, host, creator. I felt like I said Cohn? Eddie Cohn, host, creator of The Spiritual Spiral. And as I said, thrilled you're here. 95 million podcasts in the world, and you've chosen this one, so I appreciate you being here today. A wonderful introspective, thoughtful conversation with Philip Peterson today on the show. Philip, I met maybe, I'm going to say Phil. Philip sounds very formal. Phil, I met about probably 15, 20 years ago. And the amazing thing about this, which is so representative of today, I never actually officially met Phil, maybe until about five years ago. He was sort of this imaginary musical genius that was in Seattle that played strings on a few of my songs years ago, yet I was in Los Angeles recording my record. So it was sort of like we sent him these files and magically the strings would show up via email and then the producer I was working with, Evan Beagle, would import them into the session and voila, they were, in, they were in the song. And it was sort of like, that was mind-blowing to me. Now that kind of stuff happens pretty much every day. It's, it feels like that's the way music is recorded now. But it was sort of this miraculous process where you email a file, and then it comes back with the strings, and it's all lined up, and it's amazing. And, and his kids played strings, and, and it just sort of blew me away. And so Phil is this amazing producer, musician, cellist. I'm just going to go to his website really fast, philip.peterson. He's a composer, creative catalyst, and his work spans from symphonic commissions, orchestrations for hip-hop, pop, uh, film scoring, uh, commercials, He's worked on Grammy-nominated records. I'm then just going through the list here uh, of artists he's worked with. He's worked with Kesha, Lana Del Rey, Nas, Taylor Swift, Lord, Thievery Corporation, um, and Eddie Cohn. He's played this. He's played the strings on my last two records, and he plays the strings on like five or six songs on my current record that I'm releasing in the summer. So. Just thrilled that he was able to take the time to talk to me. Guy is a genius. And it's funny, I was just listening to the Danny Elfman uh, interview with Mark Marin, which I highly recommend. But you know, sometimes there's just people in the world that you, you don't know how they do or create what they create, but they just sort of have this magical, incomprehensible way of creating. And they're sort of floating and performing and living in this space that nobody else can really quite touch or understand, but they are navigating that creative landscape with such immense talents that, that I can't even understand it. And Phil, to me, is one of those people that's, that's floating and living and breathing in this creative landscape that... I don't think a lot of us will really fully understand how talented he is. So it, it just was really great to talk to him. You know, he's a, he's played cello on 
as I said, the last few records of mine. So I'm just thrilled to speak to him. And I think the reason why I reached out to him, it sort of goes back to the theme of my show. What is Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, dwindling attention spans, subscription services? What is that doing to creators? If people don't fully appreciate or understand the process of filmmaking, songwriting, production, and they just want everything for free, what is that doing to our culture? And, and I think a big part of my show is to bring a little bit of art appreciation into people's periphery, because I, I don't think people really understand the talent it takes to make a good song, make a good record. And I realize, you know, with GarageBand, Logic, Pro Tools, so many of us can actually, you know, make music at home. But are we really making high quality music? How many people are actually making high quality, thoughtful music these days? And I do believe Phil is one of those people. And I just think these are conversations that I'm interested in having. You know, these, 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 these running tabulations of numbers, subscribers, likes, followers, what is that? Is, is that really that important? Who is paying attention to all of that? It's a great talk. All the music that you're going to hear on today's episode is from Philip's band, River of Dust. You can find Philip, the name of his studio in Seattle, by the way, is called House of Breaking Glass. So you can find Phil on Instagram at House of Breaking Glass. Thanks so much to Phil for taking the time to speak to me. You know where to find me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn, Twitter at Eddie Cohn. New song that I just released, Animals, actually has Phil on cello. So you can find that song at eddiecone.bandcamp.com. It's also on Spotify, my website, imeddiecone.com. Any questions, send me a DM or a message on Twitter or Instagram. And that's it. Thanks again to Phil for taking the time to speak to me and to you for listening and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Phil. There we go. How's this? Oh, this is good. Is that better? Yeah, this is good. How's it going, my friend? You know? What's up? I'm doing, I'm doing really well, man. I'm doing very well. Good, man. Despite the strange... Glad to hear that. <laughs> despite the strange circumstances of the world, you know? Very weird. <laughs> um... It's been very odd. I've been very fortunate in a lot of ways in that uh, nobody super close to me has really suffered from, uh, you know, any terrible outcome in regards to that. And uh, yeah, so I've been fortunate with that. So good. Yeah. You know what I was. How about you? Have you been? Um, You know, I, I I feel like. This has been a fantastic 16 months. And uh, I know that's not the popular thing to say. You know, it, it, it's weird. It feels like when the world is suffering, you know, you should suffer too. Like, like God forbid you find joy, you know? Right. Um, right. And, and, and look, I, 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 I sympathize. I've, I've always 
sympathized for the pain and suffering. Like pain and suffering has been going on before the last 16 months. Absolutely. And, you know, most of what I've experienced is inconvenience. So, you know, so not as much pain and suffering, just, you know, quite a bit of inconvenience and annoyance at times. But, hey, you know, like you're just saying, it's life anyway. No matter what you do, you're going to have some of that. So, well, um, you know, and look, life, life, life is so damn hard and for all of us. And we have those moments. It could be a day. It could be a year. It could be a month where things are moving a little steadier than normal. And I I am going to take as much joy as I possibly can right now. uh, Because, Mm -hmm. you know, the reality is, is that even before the last 16 months, as I just said, people have their good days, people have their bad days. And if you're lucky to get a good hour, if you're lucky to get a good night's sleep, if you're lucky to get a good year, you know, you've got to enjoy that as much as you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's been good. Good. It's been really good. A lot of growth and a lot of, like, figuring out, like, okay, well, we can't do a bunch of live music and we can't have shows because I, I actually have a small stage in my studio and we have some fixed seating, like a tiny little secret theater and so we were actually having some shows and it was actually quite helpful because we'd sometimes, you know, parlay that into, you know, a little bit of monetization to go towards rent and that kind of thing. So it kind of made it a lower overhead. Uh, and so and we were just getting started with that starting to be kind of a kind of a thing. And then that kind of got deflated, of course when you can't really, you know, bring people together in a small space. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then we shifted gears pretty quickly to, to going like, okay, let's do a bunch of live streaming. So we did a ton of live streaming and learned a ton from that because, you know, live streaming was always something I was trying to get or trying, thinking that I was trying to get into, you know, like, yeah, I want to do that, but I never really, you know, jumped off the cliff. So, we, you know, we did a bunch of live streams with a few different d- projects. Some were jams, some were more bands, some were prepared kind of things. And we learned a ton from that, particularly <laughs> one of the things we learned from that is we don't want to just live stream all the time. Like it's, it, it's a kind of its own thing. Like I'd rather, a lot of times I'd rather make a product and mm-hmm. then maybe like host the live stream where you like, you already have the performance and the production, like you know, a little bit more Hollywood feeling than just like living room. Like, yeah. make something cool, and then you can host that and live stream that, and then hit play and sort of like a live, live you're live DJing your own material. Right. That's kind of what I'm seeing as something that I would love to do more of in the future. But meanwhile, we're just like, let's just make YouTube content. Let's just make video and do music videos for people and live band performances where you know we film it we record it we mix it we master it we make yeah. it sound and look as good as we can and then put that out and so, so you've um, been really that's been feeling good you know it there's there's so many layers here um you've been saying some things online 
whether it's Instagram or on Facebook, I, you know, my pod, my podcast evolved. I was DJing about, you know, I, yeah. I, I went from making music and in a band to then I realized people don't pay for music anymore. Um, and, and then I was, pay, right. you know, I was paying my band more money than I was making. And then all of a sudden a buddy of mine said, uh, Hey, can you DJ over my restaurant? And I had never done it before. And I was just sort of like, okay, sure. And I, I ended up making more money DJing, uh, at restaurants yeah. and club because it's like, I didn't have to hire a band. I just brought like my laptop and I have pretty good taste in music and I figured yeah. it out. So I've done some DJing too. Yeah, uh, it's it's great as well. I, I guess yeah, it's very fun. I've just been so my podcast sort of evolved out of what the hell is social media and Spotify and iTunes and Netflix? What is it doing to the world beyond? Wow, beyond like just sort of the convenience of people are in people love cheap. And people love to stay home and sort of be in front of their television and have access to like everything. So what is that doing to creators? And then what is that like doing to the world? And then I unfortunately don't like what it's doing to the world. I'm on the same page as you. Um, it's funny because we, uh, me and my buddy, Matt, we were just having dinner earlier and we were talking about Spotify and just the idea that, that it's like, just because it's an easy Avenue for everybody to potentially discover your music, that doesn't necessarily make it the thing that you should be doing. Like it, <laughs> Exposure is good, right? But also, if everybody is just throwing all their music virtually for free on Spotify, then what is a what is the value of a good recording anymore? What is the value of a good song anymore? And don't get me wrong, I'm not a bridge troll, and I don't think that we should just you know go live under a rock somewhere. But think about how crazy it would be if everybody good and big just was like no Spotify. And then we all just took everything down from Spotify and they went under. And then we had maybe better avenues. Like for example, Bandcamp, you're making way more. Now their UX is problematic. They're not all slick like Spotify. Right. But at least at least you can make a higher percentage. Um, and then of course, I'm a total hypocrite. I have shit on Spotify. I'm a total hypocrite. I... I am focusing on my YouTube page, which is totally Google owned and whatnot. But here's the thing. I like YouTube better because it has the visual aspect tool for it. I also find that the UX and is, is better for creators. It's easier to use YouTube and just get your art up. And also because, and, and if you're going to be in a place of, you know, where you want to be discovered, YouTube is awesome. So even though it's still not like some mom and pop company that is doing it, it does have a better street level avenue for an artist to get in and like use YouTube. The other thing is that if you have a thousand subscribers, then you can do super chats, which is like mm. people, people tip really good money for super chats. 
Um, Let me ask you. So I find that to be a good avenue, even though it's still a deal with the devil, i.e. Google. Right. But I do find it to be right now, and I probably will outgrow this, but I find it to be the more appealing avenue for releasing art. And I feel like maybe my streaming revenue isn't even, you know, isn't way better than Spotify. It might even be worse. But I have control over what this is, and I have a better. And, like, also... I don't believe Spotify numbers and you certainly can't believe Facebook numbers. Facebook inflates all their numbers so that to keep you on their thing. Like, Mm. why would I put it on YouTube when I'm getting thousands of streams on Facebook? It's like, no, those are not real because what's happening is they're just giving you a view when somebody scrolls past it. YouTube doesn't do that. Let me ask you a question. The same way. I, I don't like putting I don't like how our culture has elevated over the years actors and artists as, yes. if, as if they're sort of like the Messiah. And uh, and I think it, it goes to their heads. And, you know, I don't, I don't care what George Clooney thinks about the world. I mean, I, George Clooney is a great actor. Uh, but, you know, we somehow through advertising or, or the way, you know, the Oscars or somehow we elevate them to be messiahs and, and better than everybody else. Yes. But I want to try and be, however, I do think artists and sort of their view of the world is a valuable um, tool to sort of like, I, I feel like they had a pulse, a power to sort of get people to look at the world in a nuanced, unique way. And I don't, yes. and I feel like artists no longer have that control, or it, it feels like everybody thinks they can just sort of do what Rihanna's doing by like getting their phone and going on a TikTok and just start dancing and doing. Right. It's strange. It's it's like it's art. the fame. It's the fame route. So some people, if they just get famous. Then they can make sure that they have that that they have a good song, or that they, you know, at the last minute they can take voice lessons and make a good thing, right? Yeah. And then other people just make cool stuff, and it, whether they're famous or not doesn't really matter. And um, you know, so the the fame seeking aspect of it, that's I'm not hating on it. That's a different part of the industry. It's a it's that's the entertainment industry, and you know, that's who's going to be on the big sing-off shows and that's who's going to be in a 12-piece boy band and everybody's going to goo-goo-gaga about them. And that's fine. That's an, that's an avenue to be a successful musician is be a famous model or a famous actor or be a famous boy band, girl band thing and take that avenue, be on Disney, and then you can later on prove that you have artistry along the way or not. Yeah, and then there's a different path to fame, which is a longer path, and it's the but it potentially is the sustainable path, and that's where I'm kind of going. It's like I don't care about all the flash. I don't care how many numbers I have on this or how many numbers you have on that, because half those numbers aren't real anyway. So don't fool yourself and don't get high on your own fame supply too. You know. Like, don't believe your own hype. That's such a huge mistake. And that's when people just fall off a cliff because they had their eyes closed. 
I find myself though looking at at numbers, and I yeah, I, I of hit, course I, I'm a hypocrite about this. I look at the numbers too. I'm just preaching something to you and to myself. Yeah, at the same but time, but I right? feel like I feel like the num how the numbers aren't doing anybody any favors are they i i don't i don't how did we well there's one number that i'm going after and i want a thousand subscribers on youtube okay my youtube is house of breaking glass by the way right and the reason that i want that is because i want to be able to do super chat in live streams which means that you can tip because what i've seen with a lot of like even just smaller artists is that once that avenue is open a lot of people do get really generous with it and they do want to support and they do like it and they do respond. And I, you know, I'm sure you'll get comments on this because there is, I mean, some of the younger people will be like, uh, dude, you can do that on Twitch right now. Why are you waiting for a thousand subscribers? And here's the thing. Yes. Okay. But I already have, I already have it kind of dialed in to how I like to stream just functionally mm-hmm. as far as the content is concerned. Not that Twitch is too hard or whatever, but, you know, I have that dialed in. And also, I do think that my audience is probably more on YouTube. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just kind of what I've decided to. The pony that I've chosen to pick right now. And that's not to say that maybe I get somebody that knows Twitch better. And that's the upgrade is to add that on, which you can also do. So, And and I would say Twitch is a really good place because... You can accept tips and people can give you crypto and people will coin you up sometimes if you're doing music on Twitch. If the right people share you and stuff, you can, it's a good avenue. So I'd say Twitch and Bandcamp are good places on the internet to try to monetize. I just Um, feel like people, maybe I'm not coming across them, but I just feel like I don't see many people that are uh, paying uh-uh. But maybe they are. Maybe they're out I, there. Well, I think you have to do. Can, I, I mean, and there's. I think that there's so many people that have done this better than me. So I'm, yeah. I'm a little out of my my depth here. But I think there's a lot of different ways to successfully do it. I don't think that there's one formula. So, but I think consistency is really a thing. So just continuing to put out content and have a consistent, steady pace. Um, does it does seem to be one of the ingredients of the, the successful people? It's funny because I have a. I want to get your opinion about this. I have a. I have a record that's done, but I. I haven't put it out yet. I'm just like putting out a single, and then a month later, I'm doing yeah. a, a remix and another remix, and then I'm going to do another single, and I, I. I think I'll eventually release the record, but it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it makes sense to release a record right now. Well, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about that earlier too. And I was point, my buddy was like, nobody listens to records. It's all just singles now. And I mean, it was like, but it's not nobody because he listens to records and so do all his friends. So of course, and so he's like, where's that? I'm like, well, where is that avenue where you, you, the people who like to listen to a full record, where do they go and consume? And of course, you know, you can go and click on a band and listen to their whole record on iTunes or whatever, but it's not really the culture of that, right? So what one thing I have seen though is on YouTube, a lot of bands will post their whole record on one mm. thing with the artwork. So I'd say that could be a really good way to do it. 
because you're you're basically going because with a record i'm if i pull up in fact i was just doing this before i talked to you i was listening to a record and i got bored with the song and i clicked along da, 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 right mm-hmm. whereas if you see that it's on youtube as all one thing it, you might just let it roll and just experience that whole record as a as a whole thing so i'd actually say youtube is cool for that but maybe you stream the whole record. Maybe you press it to vinyl and then you do a Twitch stream that has the camera of you dropping the needle and you just let it play and that's your stream and people heart it and whatever. Yeah. So that's the weird thing. It's like, <laughs> I hate the numbers. I hate this whole thing, but there is a certain amount of it that I think we do have to play. Um, and that's because th- for me, my goal is sustainability as an artist. So if I have a ton of different diverse revenue streams, that means that I can spend more of my day making the art that I want to make. Because, I mean, even that mo- a lot of my bread and butter comes from working on everybody else's records, too. And so, which I love, that's like my special sauce, right, that I ship off. But I also have my kitchen and I want to make other things in my kitchen that aren't the sauce. Yeah. So, um and so the more different diverse revenue streams that come in, the more time I have to mess around and try different recipes in my kitchen. Did you ever so. feel like, um, it's weird, like when you were younger, when I was younger, uh, obviously social media wasn't around. And, and I, no. I, I feel like in our free time, you know, all we did was we listened to music or we played our instrument. And I think about yes. and I think about now kids, and I also think about how, you know, there's only so much time in a day. It takes so many hours to get really great at the cello or the saxophone. And so I feel like nowadays people aren't spending all their they're, they're spending, you know, an hour on Instagram. They're spending an hour on the cello. They're spending two hours on TikTok. I, I feel like is it possible that Music will never be as as good as it was because artists are spending are spending less and less time on their craft. Maybe I I kind of wonder if that is even a generational thing because I actually know a lot of younger people who have that who actually have the attention span and the chutzpah and the determination to sit there and get really good at an instrument. So I think that is still happening. Certainly, certainly there must be something that our our current crazy deluge of information environment it must be doing to people's brains and the way that we concentrate and stuff. But I do I would say that I I, I do know young people who have grown up throughout this who are very dedicated and have done a really good job of really putting in the time putting in the time but also maybe they don't have to take quite as much time because they can look up on online how Mm. to do it not wrong or whatever i mean who knows you you know what i mean like how much time did you and i spend just dicking around when we didn't know what we were doing i don't know maybe that's it's probably the same nowadays right because i even look at my kids are like young adults now and i'm like can't you guys just not do the exact same mistakes that I do or I did or whatever? Like, can't you just learn from all the dumb things I did and not do them for yourself? And it's like, that's just not the way life works. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there is, I'm sure there is an effect on it. I don't know what, how would, how to measure that. So I don't know. 
I want to, I got to ask you a couple things that I'm thinking about. And we'll come back here, but I'm just, I, I'm curious. And you may have, because you're living in Seattle now. Um, you know, for me, Alice in Chains and Nirvana and Soundgarden were like, they just, they sort of changed my world and changed my life. And I don't know, when you were living up there and this was all going on, was it sort of like this incredible, indescribable circus? Or did you just not like that music at all? Or was it was it sort of like this, you know, I don't know. What was your experience living up there during that time? It's a great question. Um, I definitely took it for granted. Hmm. Um, I just didn't, I was in Seattle, so I didn't realize that that wasn't the climate. And I mean, you know, I'm like 18 or whatever. And like, I didn't know that that's not the way the rest of the world was at that given point. You know what I mean? It, you only really saw that surge from Seattle after it was too late. You know what I mean? Like once Nirvana, nevermind, hit the, hit the radio, it, that's, it's too late, man. That was, mm-hmm. it was kind of over at that point if that makes sense. Well, I mean, like not not that, not that the scene was over, but like the secretness of it or, or like, or the realization like, Oh shit. Yeah. No, Seattle is the thing. Right. But did you get like leading up to that point? We didn't know that I, at least I didn't really realize how great Seattle was just besides the fact that my favorite bands were the Seattle band. Like I, I was like way into the posies and uh, I, I followed the, uh, some Christian bands around a little bit. And like, dude, I, I mean, I, I loved like Green River and like, I don't know, Mother Love Bone, yeah. that kind of stuff. I mean, did you get the so, presidents? It's weird. It's like, because I think back though, um, you know, other than Seattle and like the hip hop scene in LA and New York in the nineties, I, I don't know if there's ever going to be something like that, that ever happens again. You know, it's very weird. It is a very weird thing. It's kind of an end of an era. Well, even if you listen to rock and roll radio, um, everything after that era has programmed drums hmm. on like alternative rock radio. That's like the last era that really did, did real drum tracking. Yeah. You know, the rest of everything is all triggered and programmed and whatever. You know, metal was already triggered and programmed and stuff. That's what was grunge was cool about grunge was that they were like, no, 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 we're actually playing real instruments. Remember? Yeah. What a real drum sounds like. So. Well, and- yeah. But definitely I took it for granted, for sure. I mean, I saw it happening around me, but I didn't really realize how rad it was. I was enjoying it, right? But like, <laughs> I didn't understand that how epic it was until after, you know, until it was kind of like so big then. Yeah. It's weird. I think of you as what was your 
you know, I've, I've had a few musical guests on the last uh, few weeks, and I'm, I'm very curious about those moments as a kid when you're realizing, oh, um, I, I like music. You know, music is definitely something that, you know, we had a piano in the house. So at the age of two or three, I just I just started sitting down and making melodies. And, and there was something about music that had this soothing, nurturing effect on my mind, my psyche, my body. I just, it, it just, it's always been a immense part of my life. And I, I'm just sort of curious, when did you get the sense that music was something that you had to do people would come over to my house and um the first question would be like oh oh what instrument do you play like and i remember this one kid came over to my house it was very rare that someone would come over that didn't play an instrument let's put it that way and this one kid came over i'm pretty sure i'm the one who said this but it must pretty pretty young but i remember it and he 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 was in the house, and I was like, "Hey, hey, I'm Philip. Hey, you know, hey, I'm Joe, or whatever. What instrument do you play?" And he said, "I don't play an instrument." And then I said, "Well, what do you give Jesus for his birthday?" You know, and it was just this, and it's such a weird, cringy moment now, looking back, <laughs> and it's just but this is like that's I grew up in this religious classical musician environment churchy classical thing and that's so i never really had a moment of realization i just have always lived it and breathed it and there's a lot of times when i feel like man i wish i could do something besides music it's just it's just the only thing i can it's the only you know language besides english that i really speak and i'm too good at it to do any other job so i'm yeah. just doing my thing and it's not that I don't enjoy it because I do but I just don't know anything else yeah there's I've only had a couple non-music jobs my whole life yeah you you know what it is about you you have always oozed this eccentric artistic um like you know, I, I don't like this this idea of, of there's levels of artistry, um, but I do sort of elevate a Jimi Hendrix, a Jim Morrison, a Jimmy Page. I, to me, you know, there's a... All the Jimmys. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of Jimmys, you know. <laughs> but, you know, there's just... You, you sort of, to me, are at this level of artistry where... I, I don't think a lot of people really understand the depths of what you're able to do, the life you lead as an artist. I, I don't know. There's there's something very authentic about what you're doing. And that's, to me, I guess my issue with social media and the world we live in. It's sort of like, it's just... Yeah, you'll it, never know that about me from social media, you know? Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Or may, hopefully you could, but you know what I mean? It's just like it's... You, you, you kind of have to be in the same room with me and then you'll know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, I was trying to describe this. So I was wearing some ridiculous stuff the other day and some of my colleagues were like, Oh my God, this guy. And I was like, so the reason that you, that peacocking is good and stuff like that is like, 
the same reason why Post Malone has face tattoos, which is I'm sending a signal to the rest of the universe that there is no going back. There's no going back. I'm not going. There's no plan B. I'm not going to go back on some day job or whatever. No, I'm, I'm exuding the decision, you know, that, that there is no choice. I can never go back. I remember a couple of years ago, I retired from music um, for about seven hours. So that was interesting. Um, and it was funny because my, my different friends had different reactions. And one of my guy, one of my friends was like, one of my dudes was like, uh, he was like, oh yeah, no, that's, I was like, I'm, I, that's it. I'm, I'm done. I'm retiring. He's like, oh, that's totally cool. Um, you should do that. Okay. That's awesome. I totally support you in this one. And I'll help you. Uh, I'll, I'll help you with your coming out of retirement in the morning. So we'll talk. You know, it's just like, so you know, it, it, it's it, yeah. I just kind of live that way. You know, I did retire from sound checking, and I highly, re- I highly recommend that. Why? It's very you, nice. What do you mean exactly? Like what? Because uh, just show up and play your thing. Yeah. Why turn a Why turn a half an hour gig into a twelve hour gig? <laughs> Like I promise, I'll I promise I'll play good. And you would think that the sound guy would think that that was snotty, but actually, if you just tell the sound person, you're like, I just like I just need a line and just I need a DI or a 58, and and I promise I'll sound good. So and you can dial me in on the first song. You know, um, Cheap Trick, their song Hello Hello, mm-hmm. was it Hello Hello? Yeah, that song was designed as their sound check because it starts in with the drums and then adds the bass and it adds one thing at a time. By the time the vocals are coming in, Hey, Hey, hello, hello. And then you got lots of time. Yeah. And then they were all sound checked and it's all good. How many times have you spent a ton of time being all picky at a sound check and then it's your turn to play in the club and it sounds completely different. (laughs) You're fucked anyway. Yeah. So don't sound check. Just don't sound check. Unless you need the practice. Sound checking should be for you just getting your nerves off or needing the practice. But I don't need the practice. In fact, I need less practice because I'm trying to fuck up. You wouldn't want vanilla. You want extra spicy. Yeah. You want wrong notes from me. You don't want matchy-matchy. That's my day job. You know, you want stuff to catch on fire and go wrong. That's when you're going to talk. That's what you're going to talk about later. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know where Phil was, and then all of a sudden he appeared. Well, it's funny playing the electric cello. We do live in this world now where everything needs to sound perfect. I, you know, it's it's weird. Like I don't remember the last time I heard a vocal on a record that was out of key. Everybody is correcting everything. Right. right now. It's like right, but there's we're now at the beginning. I'm I'm putting this into motion. We're <laughs> at the beginning now of a new stage of human musical development. And that is realizing that Western music and idea of that tempered piano pitch, which by the way, is never perfect depending on what key you're playing in, because it's tempered. Mm-hmm. It's actually going against the vibrations of the universe to be perfect. Uh, uh, that's why a piano can never actually be perfect because it depends on what key you're playing it in. So anyway, we are at the beginning of the human collective realization that 
Western music is a tiny, tiny little microscopic blip in the history of humankind. And in fact, it's so tiny that it's almost meaningless and shouldn't really have that much influence on the, you know, the, the thousands of years that don't include this tiny little Germanic, Austrian, teensy, tiny little blip right. in the history of humankind. And when you think about any music from, uh, did you know that every culture has a version of the blues? You know, hmm. every culture has some kind of blues, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's, yeah. So that's a thing. That's the thing. That's why, you know, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, whether you can play with soul or not, you know. Yeah. But it sometimes depends on depends on how much training you've had or not have, whether you can play with soul or not. Because those are sometimes the enemy of each other, you know. people take your ability as a player for granted? Do, people, do you think people realize what you're bringing to the table? I do. I mean, I have clients that just keep coming back to me and back to me, and I have, like, tons of platinum records. Okay, good. Like a row of them, and people are very loyal and do always come back, even if it's 20 years later. I had a client from 20 years ago, I hadn't talked to her in 20 years and she came back and she still loved what I did and needed that sauce. And I gave it to her and it was great, you know? Yeah. So I do, I do feel appreciated by the people who know me. Yeah. I just, and by the people who work with me, I do feel underexposed hmm. because I feel like there's a lot of people that probably don't understand who I am or what I can do, especially in my own town. It's, but like, that I think you're always going to feel like that. You're always going to feel like the underdog. Cause I'm like, why doesn't Seattle, why doesn't Seattle give me more props? And then like, but they actually do. And I just don't see it. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. So it's a perception. I don't know. But, but I also like, Hmm. I don't know if it would be good if I didn't feel like an underdog. Hmm. I always want to strive for something. How gross would it be to be on the top and then just be like, Whoa. <laughs> you know, Yeah, do you, I always want something to strive for. I don't want to just sit there and gloat. Yeah. I'm, I'm last kind of a couple of things I'm thinking about. Um, you know, you brought up how, why aren't, you know, the big artists out there, you know, not putting their music on Spotify, we're taking a stand. And I feel like artists have tried. I feel like Taylor Swift tried. Yeah. And, and absolutely. I, so I just don't think Prince and Jimi Hendrix, both of their estates and, and legacies have tried to fight that stuff too, you know. Is, is this a fight so. that, like, and this is the thing that I get stuck with? Led Zeppelin fought it too. I mean, big, big bands have done the good fight. I think Metallica did a bunch of this too. I mean, but 
so I don't know. I don't know if it's like a whole revolt thing that needs to happen, but what, I think that one of the ways to do it would be to conquer it with capitalism, which which is like let's find better ways to monetize what artists do, and find better revenue streams for artists, and that way some of these other streams just become less important. Hmm. Dilute. Dilute those things. Yeah. I, it just, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm just spitballing. <laughs> me too. I, I'm with you. I just, I just think, uh, boy, it's just, it's really hard to get somebody to, um, stop in the moment, appreciate, give some money to an artist um, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like that ask is becoming more and more challenging every single day. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. And also, um, it's like, it's also like kind of diluted in the sense that it's never been easier to be an artist to some degree, mm, at least an amateur one. Anybody can get a MIDI thing and a garage band and get going and make something that they like you know so and that's not a bad thing you know it's not a bad thing at all so because frankly if music wasn't fun then how boring would that be you know yeah but you bring up an interesting point i wanted to i want to focus on that a little bit i'm not saying it's it's not a bad thing that you know garage band and on an ipad and you can kind of get something going yeah. on your own like it, it's great but yeah. then but maybe it's sort but but maybe it's part of the problem because it feels like anybody can do it why should it I? is part of the problem yeah it is it is but the thing is it's not a bad thing intrinsically so how can i root against that even though that is sort of the thing that <laughs> <laughs> but we were even thinking about like okay what if there was some standard that you could hold musicians to and sort of like there's some you know achievement thing that you have to like there's some certification that you might have that then makes me want to work with you because I know that you passed this thing or have this kind of accreditation or acclaim or have a certain amount of you know shipped records whatever it is I'm not sure exactly what the criteria would be but like you know music industry doesn't necessarily have to be this open free-for-all i think the music making of and hobby aspect should be an absolutely open free-for-all but as far as the business side of it and the industry side of it like i wonder if there's some kind of weird people will probably hate me for this but like some kind of fence that we can put up some kind of like hoop to jump through that not that isn't necessarily like doesn't necessarily cost money, so it's not based on like privilege or anything, but it's based on a certain amount of things. Like maybe, it's sort of like you know, in order to have a vote in the Grammys, you have to have a certain amount of um, commercial releases within the last six years. Yeah, and so um, I know because I just had to renew my thing recently, so and I had to write down a bunch of stuff and prove them all that. So, this, which is like not a bad thing to have to do that. But on the other hand, that's just this one thing. I don't think that that really, I don't think that that is enough of a criteria to make somebody be like, Oh, well, you know, this person has a vote in the Grammys. Therefore I should hire them. Like, no, 
I don't know that that's the thing. I don't know. Well, I don't I know think, what that is. I think, you know, when you're dealing with something like sports, like basketball or, you know, the guitar or music, when you're dealing with something that people like to do in their free time, but then also people make a living out of it also. Yes. You sort of, sports is a great correlation. Yeah. So it's sort of like, but with sports, um, you have agents um, and, and, and uh, recruiters and scouts that, you know, find the great athletes and then they go to, you know, a, uh, this college or they, I don't know. There's, I think what's happened in the music industry, it's, it's gotten rid of A&R people that, you know, scouted and tried to find really talented artists. And I feel like, it sort of crumbled and now artists are sort of doing their own PR and doing their own. Yes. So it, it's, it's the system's broken now. Oh yeah, it is. But it's always been breaking in different ways and being revamped in different ways too. So it, it's weird. It's like, it just comes, I feel like it just comes back to diversity. Like if you can play out and make some dough, get on some streaming stuff, make some dough, print some t-shirts to make some dough, teach a couple lessons to make some dough, you know, do a guitar session on somebody else's record to make some dough, mix somebody's thing, help somebody with a vocal track, with, rent somebody your microphone. I mean, hmm. there's so many different ways. And then, and then the more music you have out there, then they're just all the little pennies from heaven, all those little pennies, you know, and this check keeps coming in and it's 50 bucks each time. And then then the next year, that check is 60, 70 bucks each time. And then the next year, that check's 100 bucks each time. And, and then it starts to be 300. And you keep putting out more music and putting out more music and putting out more music so that the, the potential of the pennies from heaven can go down. So that's sort of like you can do that with Spotify and just like put out tons and tons and tons and tons and tons, and tons of stuff. But what I would rather do is put some stuff on there and some stuff on other things. And that kind of and like licensing platforms are one of the best ways to make money as a musician. And I know I keep coming back to the making money side, but the thing is, unless you have a day job, you're going to have to figure out how to make money off your music because or some way to support yourself, because otherwise you're going to starve. So, you, you, you know. Well, I you think have to, I, I, have to have some way. I, I think it's important. My, I guess before I let you go, I think it's important to live in a world where um, people pay for for art. You know, people. Yes. People, if they're going to an art show, they they shouldn't. To me, Napster. Leo, my cat. To me, it's yeah. It's, that was the beginning of of some really bad stuff. Was yeah. the whole Napster thing? Well, it's changed. Really... It's changed people's mentality towards you know. Yeah. It it it's weird. It, it is stealing to me. I can't yeah. I can't let go of the fact that I will always believe that uh, it's stealing. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is. That the percentage is so low that it just feels gross, and then it's just like. But, you know, I can't, I'm not judging anybody else for wanting their stuff to be on Spotify because that's like the main place to, for people to find you. So, and for some stuff, it's like, I need people to know that it exists because then at least I can sell a t-shirt or at least somebody will come to my show. I mean, I don't want to play an empty show. Right. So, yeah. You know, I need people, I need some way of people finding me. So yes, Spotify, yes, YouTube, you know, they're not. 
it's I'm not saying every week we should just all get off of that stuff. It's just a weird climate that we're in. And I don't know what the solution of it is like beyond trying to get your revenue streams as wide as possible. Rent your band space to somebody else on the day you're not using it. Like whatever you can do to have different little trickles of revenue coming in so that you can support your art. It doesn't necessarily have to make you loaded. It just has to make you as free from, you know, the grind so that you can make music yeah. or art or whatever creative endeavor that you want to make. Um, well, Phil, what's the deal with Tennis Pro? What's next with the band? Well, we've been getting together weekly and making videos. So we have actually a deluge of new videos to drop on the Tennis Pro Rocks YouTube page. All right, cool. Um, and we, so we've been doing a song a week and we're starting to get really deep into our catalog. Like we're, we're doing one tomorrow that's from our first record of, we have several records. Our band is like, Nine, 18, 19 years old now. Yeah. So I think we're 18. Yeah. And so we have a lot of records and we are now, we're kind of hitting into some of our early material for, cause we're, our project is we're trying to play the live versions of, you know, cause we don't really have shows right now. Right. Even right. still yet, they're just starting. So, and up till now we haven't had them at all. So we've been trying to play as we would, live but then we are also in the studio recording and then i have my buddy matt that is on the camera and doing one shots yeah those so are all those the videos are super are cool one shots. i love I, I, so we have I, a bunch more cool and then we have I, a ton more of those and then i gotta ask you yeah. what inspired you to post that cryptic video on instagram where you were like all in black and and talking about like spotify you were referring to spotify or something do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh yeah, I was I think I was talking about how Spotify is an advertisement platform and you know, if you're getting on there to try to make money, you're totally missing the boat cuz <laughs> unless you're getting millions of plays, then you're not making any money off of Spotify really, you no. know. Yeah. And also because the labels are the ones who make deals for better cuts. So an indie artist is pretty much just an indentured servant to the program in that regard. Now I'm not saying don't be on Spotify. I'm just saying, don't fool yourself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. Phil, man, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to talk. This was good. Yeah. It's been good to catch up, man. Yeah. Are you down? It's been good. Are you ever, are you leaving Seattle often? Or are you, you're, you're there for a little while. Uh, I am coming down to New Orleans soon, um, and but I haven't visited LA super recently. But I'm planning maybe I don't know. I think maybe January I might be down there for a month or something. I'm oh wow! Thinking of like when it gets colder up here, I'm like, hmm. Airbnb has a discount. It's a thirty percent discount if you book thirty days. God. So I'm like, if I just booked a whole month in LA and during a cold month up here, that seems nice. Yeah. That's a good idea. So I'm kind of toying with that. I guess it's an early snowbird type of concept. <laughs> how, how old are your kids now? Uh, my son's 19 and my daughter is 21. Wow. 
Yeah, it's crazy. That's insane. It is nuts. Are they it's nuts? Are they still up in Seattle, or have they gone gone anywhere? Where? They? Yeah, they're here. Okay, they're here. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, dude, yeah, they're I've, around. They're doing stuff. <laughs> they're doing something. They're doing stuff. Being young adults, this is a hard time to be a young adult. I feel like. Yeah, I. Agree. That's the thing. Harder for harder than for you and me because we can just kind of like be bridge trolls in the in our studios or in our offices if we want you know yeah. whereas when you're younger you you know you want to be out there socializing and going to the party and just going to the shows and all that stuff you know it's like even more yeah it's even more difficult i think i have a lot of compassion for younger people especially that age it's like dude yeah ugh, they're like stuck <laughs> but now everybody's vaccinated and stuff so good it's pretty cool Nice, man. Good. Well, I appreciate yeah. you uh, talking. This will this will go live in like a week or so. But thanks so much. I I thought it was uh, I thought I was important to talk to you and, and have you on the show. Yeah, man, I'm stoked. I'm I'm honored and uh, I'm excited to see how it all turns out. And uh, it's great to catch up. Good to see your face. Likewise, dude. You too. I appreciate all the amazing playing, and uh, it means a ton to me. I I have so much respect for you as an artist and I, I appreciate it. Well, thanks so much. Well, you know where we make the sauce. Yep. Right here in the factory. Yep. So I'll see you around, buddy. Awesome, dude. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye. See you soon.